Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good evening. So as we gather this evening to celebrate the solemnity of all saints, I mean, I, I, I love this solemnity. I love this celebration. My first assignment uh, up in Cleveland Heights was at Communion of Saints Parish. And so this was the, my first, as a priest, my first parish patronal feast day. So I've always had, well, at least since I've been a priest, I've always had a very special uh, love for this celebration, this solemnity. There's a lot of places to turn there. There's a lot of ways that we could reflect on the saints tonight, a lot of different avenues and angles. But what I, what I felt moved by the Lord to... Well, I should put it this way, where I felt the Lord drawing my attention uh, while reflecting on these scriptures for this solemnity was the psalm that we just sang. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face, Psalm 24. And it was like a beautiful, I don't know, if I'm not a musical person. I think that was like a minor key. It was very haunting. Would, it, would, you, would you describe that as haunting? Was some, is that a minor key? Did it feel like a minor key? Is Eric over there? Eric's nodding his head. Okay. Whew, all right. It was haunting, wasn't it? it was, there was like an aching hauntingness to it, even if those are not real words. There was something haunting about it. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. I would imagine if you were asked by, you know, the bishop's liturgical commission to pick a psalm to go with this solemnity, I just don't think that most people would pick Psalm 24, what we just sang, for... I don't think most people would pick it for this celebration. What does this have to do with the saints? Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. In a word, everything. Everything. Let me first lay a little foundation before we really get into this. And I want to start with this quote from one of my mentors and heroes, one of my great teachers, Christopher West. Quote, Despite all the widespread impressions to the contrary, we must impress this truth upon our souls and allow it to settle into our bones. Christianity is the religion of desire. The religion that redeems eros. Let me pause right there. Let me say a word about this word eros. What is eros? Well, the Greeks had more than one word for love in their language, right? Us in English, it's just a clunky one-word thing. I, you can say, I love my grandma, and then you say, I love French fries. And is it the same love? I hope it's a different kind of love, right? Or unless you really love French fries, or you don't really love your grandma. I don't know. <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. I don't know. Okay, let's stay away from that. But we only have one word for the word love in English, but the Greeks had several. Eros. Storge, philia, and agape. These four different senses of the word love, right? What is eros? What is eros? Well, when we think of eros, when we hear eros in modern American, in modern American context, we, we often think of, or we're led to think of the erotic, right? So there you might think of something perverse, something inappropriate. That's not what eros is. That's not what eros is. There's another Greek term for that. That's porneia. The distortion of uh, the sexual powers. That's porneia. Eros is not that. Eros is the passionate, burning longing that pushes us out of ourselves towards the beloved. Eros is the longing in our hearts for everything that is good and true and beautiful. Eros is that, 
that restlessness that St. Augustine was talking about when he wrote centuries ago, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. It's yearning. It's longing. It's the, it's the pursuit that we all feel, this thirst, this hunger for more. Like the, the never being satisfied, right? Eros is the longing for more, the more goodness, beauty, truth, love, right? Okay, so back to this quote. Christianity is the religion of desire, the religion that redeems eros. Pause there. I don't want a show of hands, but how many of us honestly grew up in a church hearing that, believing that, being exposed to that, that Christianity is the religion of desire? It's the religion that redeems Eros. I think most Christians are given a version of Christianity that sees our hearts and our hungers and our desires through a lens of suspicion. That that's not good. Like, that's going to lead you down someplace bad. Like, those desires, our hearts and our desires are bad because they lead us into sin, or at least they can. Right? So we're taught a version of Christianity that's about sin management, behavior modification, that God just really wants us to just behave well. I don't think many of us are taught that Christianity is the religion of desire. Another way to say that is that Christianity is the religion of the heart. Like, and when I say the heart, I'm talking about the whole person. Like, Jesus' first question in the Gospel of John is not anything having to do with morality. His very first question is, what do you desire? He turns to the disciples of John the Baptist, who are following him at a distance, and he asks them the question, what are you looking for? Other translations will say, what are you seeking? What do you desire? His very first question, the very first moment he engages humanity, he engages their hearts. He engages the heart. Okay, back to the quote. And the saints are the ones who have had the courage to shut down their desires and feel nothing and empty out their longing entirely. Just kidding. That's not what it says. Okay. That's not what it says. Wrong. The saints are the ones who have had the courage to feel the abyss of longing in their souls and in their bodies and open that longing in the groaning of prayer to the one who alone can heal their wound of love. Like that right there, friends. Okay. The saints that we're celebrating today are the ones who, they didn't shut down their hearts. They didn't shut down their desires. They didn't make their hearts small. They opened up their hearts in the groaning of prayer. Right? What did we hear yesterday? All of creation is groaning in labor pains. No, that was the reading from this morning. All of creation is groaning in labor pains. There's this groaning, this opening of the heart. I mean, right there, is that what we think of when we think of prayer? Just sitting there very quietly, let me empty out my mind and let me say my prayers. There's nothing wrong with saying your prayers, but the saints are the ones who open up the depth of their longing, the depth of their hearts, and they groan in their prayers to the one who alone can heal that wound of love. Back to that psalm, Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Let me try and spell this out for us. Friends, Christianity makes no sense, or it has, it has nothing real to offer us, honestly, if we're not in touch with our hearts. 
Being at Mass makes no sense if you're not in touch with your hunger. Going to a buffet makes no sense if you're not in touch with your hunger. This is where the Lord feeds us with his very body and blood. This is, where, this is the place where he comes to satisfy our hungry hearts. Christianity makes no sense if we are not in touch with our hearts, if we are not in touch with our desires, with our longings, with our groanings. And I'm not just simply talking about like our holy churchy desires. Like, dearest Lord, world peace, please. That's fine if that's on your heart. That's fine. I'm talking about like real fleshy human desires. I'm talking about like, like this is going to sound ridiculous perhaps, but this is real. This is my heart. Like driving back to Wadsworth from Columbus on Sunday, this deep sadness I felt because of the gray dreariness of the day and looking at the leaves on the trees, how they're all falling off and the colors are going. And like I was, I, I called, I called a friend of mine. I'm like, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm mad. Like, why are you mad? I'm like, because the leaves are falling down. I'm like a 35-year-old idiot, right? Like, it happens every year. Ask Deacon Rich, this morning after Mass, I finished Mass, came out of the sacristy, I was standing outside, and I just stopped because there was this beautiful yellow tree. There was no breeze, no birds in the tree, and the, the leaves on the tree were just raining down. I took video of it. I stood there. I'm like, I just got to capture this moment. <laughs> There was an honest-to-God sadness and anger in me, this longing for, like, I don't want the beauty to go away. I don't want the beauty to go away. I'm talking about the, the longing, the piercing longing that stirs up in my heart when I'm driving through town and all of a sudden at night I smell bonfire in the night air. Like, it just pierces you with this longing. Tell me I'm not the only one who, that, that, like, experiences this. Please, am I not? Okay, good. All right. Some don't even know how to raise their hands. I know that you feel it. I know you got hearts out there. This desire, like the desire to never have to say goodbye to people that I love, that's a real desire. This desire to be loved perfectly. I know I'm not the only one in that. Like I desire to be loved perfectly, cherished perfectly, honored perfectly, welcomed perfectly. Look, if we're not in touch with our hearts, if we're not in touch with our desires, we'll, we'll, we will never apprehend or appreciate who Jesus is because here's the proposal. This infinite thing that my heart is looking for, this known unknown thing, like all I can say is like, it's not that, it's not that, it's more than whatever all these things are. Like this infinite thing is not this distant force way out there in the far distance of the galaxy. No, this infinite one came among us. This isn't a dream or a fantasy. This is a person. It's the word made flesh. Like the infinite God who dwells among us. Like the God who has a face. The one that my heart is looking for has a face. That's the proposal of Christianity. So what does this have to do with the saints? Everything. The saints were the ones who didn't squash their desires or shut down their hearts. They aimed their hearts and their longings to the one who alone can satisfy. That's what they did. They didn't do it perfectly. They didn't do it every single day. They, they were just like you and me. They were fumbling, struggling sinners who over time more and more oriented their hearts their hungers to the beautiful face of Jesus. That's who the saints are. 
They're the ones who aimed their hunger at the one who can satisfy. Like, it's not a coincidence that heaven is described as the beatific vision when we get to finally see him as he truly is face to face. And right now, he hides his face in bread. There, like, right here upon our altar, he makes this, this pledge to us of this future glory. The Mass is where we go so that we, over and over again, we can orient our hearts. We can do what the saints did, aim our hearts and our longings to the one who alone can satisfy. I want to end with this quote from Pope Benedict. In fact, he says, the infinite one took a finite form in order to make himself a response to that human, a response that the human being could experience. The unbridgeable abyss between the finite and the infinite was filled from the incarnation, from the moment in which the word became flesh. The eternal and infinite God left his heaven and entered into time. He immersed himself in human finiteness. Nothing, therefore, is trivial or insignificant in the journey of life and of the world. Listen to that again. Nothing is trivial or insignificant. There's nothing in your heart that is trivial or insignificant. There's no longing or desire in your heart that is trivial or insignificant. Why? Because all of it has been touched by the incarnation. God uses everything to draw us to himself. Everything. Everything. Men and women are made for an infinite God who became flesh, who took our humanity to uplift it to the heights of his divine being. Friends, this is what we're celebrating today. The saints, the ones who entered into communion with the, with the bridge himself when the infinite God became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen.